So you've heard our theme for this morning. It's the, uh, the second chapter uh, from our book, Saying Yes to Life, by Ruth Valerio, published by Tear Fund. And if you haven't started reading it, I would really commend the book to you. And today we want to look at the subject of water, water as created by God. I'm hoping that you will see anew the spiritual connection that we have with water and with God's natural environment. And that will inspire you to accept your challenge, to thank God for its blessing, to be enriched by the gift of water, and to be motivated to look after it. I wonder what your relationship is with water. If you like your water story over your life, do you have one? Think about that for a moment. Is water important to you? Has it mattered to you over the years? My water story starts with being brought up in a very dry part of Uganda, in the north of Uganda, where there was very little fresh water. The water that did exist was actually uh, diseased by something called bilharzia. So even if you wanted to go into it, which you really, really did, I can tell you, you couldn't. So uh, we had an alternative, which was in the garden, which worked quite well. So uh, for those who uh, might be listening on the recording, uh, there's a, a picture of three uh, youngsters in a paddling pool uh, in the garden, and one of them is me. I will leave you to work out which one that might be. <laughs> so we used to love uh, being able to paddle in some cooling water in the heat of the uh, African uh, and dry, dry season particularly. And there was a lovely uh, lake called Lake Nabogabo, uh, this is a picture of, of the lake, uh, Lake Nabogabo, and this is one of the very few locations where the water wasn't diseased. So you could go on holiday there, camp by the lake, and enjoy the cool water, play in the dugout canoes, and the warning was don't go around the headland because there's hippopotamuses, and they were hippopotamuses. It wasn't a, a, a joke. So my relationship with water kind of has been shaped by those early experiences uh, of, of not being uh, close to water and wanting to be. So now, I, every time I go running, I love to be by water. So my favourite runs is, is down by the River Thames. This is the River Thames by Ship Lake. And if not, on, around, down the River Thames, down, around Dinton Pastures. And I just find there's something about being around and in water that, that I find uplifting and refreshing. And it's really important part of, of what I like to do. But I think in our country particularly, in England, we've got used to having plenty of water, haven't we, in terms of our personal needs. And in the time of Jesus, water was much more precious and valuable. And we're not always going to have as much water as we have now. We can't afford to continue to use it in the way that we do. The Environment Agency has said England will run increasingly short of water over the next 25 years as the demand increases uh, and climate change has a big impact on supplies. You may recall the story of, of Hagar and Ishmael, and Abraham sent Hagar out into the desert uh, with his son Ishmael and just a wineskin of water. But God had assured Abraham that he would protect his son and an angel spoke to Hagar, and she opened her eyes and saw a well, was able to give her son some water. 
And I spoke to my good friend Usman Shah about the Islamic tradition of this story. And he said that the tradition has that Hagar ran between two mountains seven times before the angel Gabriel came down and created a spring of water. And Hagar actually shouted Zamzam, which means stop, stop, literally in Arabic. And this Zamzam water is part of the ritual of Muslims who go to Mecca. And it's a very important part of their faith as well, that water has a spiritual uh, importance. So God's provision of water is really, really important to us. It's part of our natural resources. It's part of our, our natural heritage. And it's a big part of the Bible story. In a moment, we're just going to hear some sound of rain, hopefully. And uh, I want you just to listen to the sound. There's a little bit of music behind it as well. And see what that, that reminds you or conjures up for you in terms of water. I love the sound of rain. When I was a child uh, in Uganda, I would lie in my bunk bed, and we had a bungalow with a corrugated uh, tin roof. <laughs> Jane's nodding vigorously. She remembers this. And the rain, when it came, would drum on the corrugated roof really loudly, and I just loved that refreshing sound. And I can smell now the smell of the rain on dry uh, murram uh, dirt in Uganda. It's a beautiful sound. And it's so important to our well-being. And uh, you may also have, have sensed the thunder, uh, heard the thunder, and that reminds me of kind of snuggling a bit deeper down inside the covers, being glad that I'm inside. And it reminds us of the other side of uh, rain, the, the, the dark side, if you like, the shadow side, as the book calls it, uh, of the consequences of too much rain. And... We don't need to look far afield. This picture of the oracle shows us the impact of flooding just in Reading. And for us, the impact on many of us has been fairly low-key compared with many others in the country and across the world. And those who are actually finding their countries or their islands beginning to go underwater because of climate change. And also in the Bible, we have the examples of the dark side, if you like, of, of water, the flood that God enabled Noah to escape from in the ark. The Egyptian army being destroyed in the waters of the Red Sea, uh, memorably brought to life in a current show in the West End called The Prince of Egypt, which I'd highly recommend if you're able to go. The impact of climate change is really significant. And just some examples that we can ponder on, 68% of rivers that our sites of special scientific interest are in poor condition. Overall, freshwater fish in the UK has seen an 83% decline since 1970. Now, that means 80% of the species have been wiped out in the last 50 years. That is, is really shocking, isn't it? Globally, 60% of the world suffers water stress. 
and even in some areas that we might consider relatively developed, like Cape Town, uh, they've had real problems with water supply. And demand is forecast to increase by 50% between now and 2050. So there's a massive pressure on our water resources globally, and it's absolutely vital that we play our part in doing something about that. So where does water fit into God's created order? And we heard this picture in the uh, reading from Genesis. And God said that there'd be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. This was an ancient sort of description of the creation process. I'm not suggesting it's a, a scientific explanation. I want to focus on the fact that God said, and it was so. God created the world uh, and the universe and everything that is in it. The Mennonite theologian Thomas Finger talks about the redemptive activity that exists within the Trinity that God is love, and that love finds expression through creative generosity. A bit like us giving gifts to the people we love. So why did God create the universe? Why did God create the world? It can be seen as an overflow of that love. God desiring that others should share in the adoration, cooperation, and joy that was occurring in God's life. The Franciscan writer Richard Rohr expresses this when he says, Through the act of creation, God manifested the eternally outflowing divine presence into the physical and material world. So God spoke the world into being. This is a fundamental shift for me in terms of my thinking about how God relates to the world and the natural order, that before God created the world, he was present. And then out of himself, he created a space for the created order. So it is within God. The whole world is within God. It's not a case that everything is a God, as some faiths believe, but it is a case that everything God has created has part of God within it. To be honest, I've never got that. That, for me, is a big shift in my thinking and understanding about why we need to look after our natural world. So when we hurt our world, when we hurt our climate, we are hurting our God. That process of God creating the world if you like, from within himself and it being part of him, made me think about the whole process by which we are created and about the fact that we obviously are created within our, our mother's wombs and we are kept in there nice and warm and safe and uh, in water, aren't we? So we grow within water, uh, within our mother's womb. And uh, we're kept warm we're kept secure, we're kept safe from impact uh, within our, our mother until it's time for us to be birthed and the waters break and we come out into the world. So I found a real parallel between that story of how 
and why God has created the world and the way that we are created through birth. And of course, that links into the spiritual importance of water and in our faith. And this brings us to the process of baptism. And baptism is a visible, physical sign of our cleansing of sin and becoming a new creation in Jesus. And of course, water is absolutely fundamental to that. In the Old Testament, ritual washing was very important. And to this day, Muslims will wash before entering the mosque for pray, for prayer, all their exposed body parts. My friend Usman believes that his dad's healing was partly attributed to what he believes is healing properties of Zamzam water. And in our New Testament story, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well and talks of the living water in John 4.14. Whoever drinks of the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up for eternal life. So, are we thirsty for God? Just want you to think for a moment about the sensation of thirst. What's it like to be thirsty? That dryness in your mouth, that need for water. It's probably not that often we experience it, but it's quite powerful, isn't it, when you get to that point. Is that the way you feel about your relationship with God? Or are you fulfilling that thirst in different ways? So I now want us to turn to thinking about action. And the first thing I want to talk about is some of the encouraging things that are already happening in the world that you may not be aware of. And uh, if we go to the next slide, it shows a picture of uh, Lara Young, who's uh, the carbon manager for my company, Costain. And uh, we've committed to zero carbon by 2035. And this is a, a massive agenda that is now coming across business, uh, across big finance, uh, across governments. And I think it's really encouraging because suddenly we have got this. We have really understood it. And it's a massive shift just in even the last 12 months, I think. So if you're not aware of that having happened, be encouraged by it. The project I work with on the Tideway project, it's a good example of cleaning up the rivers that we have. So my job is all about cleaning up the River Thames, removing the sewage from it. So I'm blessed to be part of a, a project that's actually making that contribution. And uh, in my job, I work with all the water companies in different contexts, and they're all looking at how we can use water more sustainably. How can you be connected with the water that you use in your catchment area? How can we help people understand that more? And organisations, including our own, and some of the work I do is around how do we connect our strategies with the UN Sustainability Development Goals. So... Costain has aligned our strategy in terms of sustainability with the UN SDGs, and increasingly other organisations are doing this. So we're really getting it at a global level in a way that has never been the case before, which I hope you will find encouraging. But it's important that we do our part, isn't it? That not only we do something in our jobs, in our businesses, uh, but we also do something personally. And the next slide is a picture of... S scales, and this is a tool that you can use 
that's provided by the World Wildlife Fund. So just uh, put in Carbon Tool World Wildlife Fund and you can fill this in. And it shows you what your carbon uh, impact is, in my case 14.7 tonnes in 2020, compared what it needs to be if, you're, if we're to hit zero carbon by 2045. And uh, when I first did this, it didn't shock me. And then I, which is embarrassing to be frank, and then we compared uh, all our carbon footprints with everyone at work who'd done it, about 30 people. And I found that I was right in the top. And that, that for some reason, struck me more than actually when I did the tool and I saw the 140%. Um, so I'm basically 40% higher than I need to be in terms of my carbon footprint. And you can see the big orange footprint that's mine. The yellow one is where I need to be, and the small gray one is where the rest of the world is. So it's a powerful illustration of how much I, more I need to do to get my carbon footprint down. And my reflection on this is that if I had listened to my wife and my daughter at least five years ago, I'd be in a be much better place in terms of my carbon footprint and my sustainable responsibility than I am at the moment. But some of the things I've done in response to that, one, I've switched to a, a zero carbon tariff uh, for my energy supply, which, or our energy supply, which includes offsetting some of that with trees. Uh, we're trying to eat vegetarian a couple of times a, a, a week. Um, but the biggest stuff is about our consumption. So 70% of water is used through manufacturing. So when we buy clothes, when we use, uh, get new stuff that we don't need, that is when we're really having a negative impact on water consumption. So you heard your mission. You've got that mission. We've added a few extra things into that mission now. And just finally, to reflect on the spiritual nature of water. It's such an important part of our lives. It's such an important part of God's creation. So next time you're washing your hands, and we all know we've got to do this for longer and more often, is an opportunity, isn't it, to reflect on these challenges. Firstly, to be thankful to God for that gift of water and to recognize how precious it is. Secondly, to be reminded of the spiritual aspects of water, uh, the water of baptism, the water that washes our sins away. And thirdly, to commit to being more sustainable in our use of water and in our looking after of the planet. Amen.